Hey, Business Casual listeners. I've been using the Brio air purifier for a little under a month, and I'm highly impressed with the performance. It has drastically improved my indoor air quality, and its patent advanced particle removal technology is second to none. It's also incredibly convenient to use and maintain, making it an ideal choice for anyone looking to improve their home air quality. I've noticed a few cool things so far. You can feel the air becoming clean. It dries out the air a bit, so using this with a humidifier would be ideal for those who like to retain some moisture in the air. My ceiling fans, where I use Brio most often, has less dust buildup. Some need to know starter info. When I first plugged the Brio in and let it run, it had a strong plastic smell due to high heat injection molding residue. Wiping the Brio down with soap, water, and a microfiber cloth, then allowing it time to fully dry helps significantly. Um, a surprise use case I did not expect was when my wife was cooking and the salmon got away from her and the smoke in the house started to fill the kitchen. I quickly grabbed a towel and began to fan the smoke from the smoke detector, not to wake up my sleeping six month baby. I realized this would be an excellent job for Brio. I grabbed it from the living room and plugged it into the kitchen, making the job of not setting the smoke detector off a breeze. In just two weeks, it helped my air quality and dust accumulation and helped stop my baby from waking up. Do you even have to ask? Yes, I recommend the Brio. As a special offer for my listeners, use code MILES, M-Y-L-E-S, 15, to get 15% off the Brio. And let me know what you think about this incredible machine in the comments. Peace. All right. Welcome back to Business Casual. I'm your host, Miles Brown. And today we have a very special guest, Larry Rothenberg. Is that how you say it? Or? Yeah, it is. That's it. <laughs> and he is an inventor and business owner with Agentis Air. Uh, an air purifying technology that's been patented that is leagues above the HEPA filter. And today we'll have him explain to us exactly how he started, how he got into it, what led him down this journey, why it's important to him, and who he is. Great. Larry. Thank you very much. <laughs> Glad to be here. No problem. So give me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where did you start? Mm -hmm. So uh, I grew up in uh, Syracuse, New York. And uh, I started out uh, my professional career as a uh, patent attorney. And I was, uh, uh, so I, I practiced patent law for a short period of time and then uh, was lured away into uh, trying to start a business. Uh -huh. So I, I always kind of uh, felt more like my clients than I did the attorney. So uh, I got mostly into the software business. So that's kind of, and then was involved in a whole series of software startups. Gotcha. Yeah. How did you like that? Um, was yeah. it was it a great departure from being uh, in patent law? Yeah. You know, I I enjoy patent law. I like being a lawyer. I like being a patent lawyer. But um, I think it came down to the fact that I always like being part of the team. And when you're the lawyer, you're kind of outside the team, yeah. and you can be an important 
a tool for the team to use to achieve their goals, but you're not part of the team. Yeah. And uh, I just really like being part of the team. There's just a, a, a sense of purpose, a sense of mission. Um, there's, a, uh, there's just an energy to it that I really like. So Definitely. that's why. So I, I think it was the right decision for me. Uh, I understand. Um, when I think of law, I think of stacks of papers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think of endless reading, you know, yeah. trying to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's. But when you're a part of that energy of a startup, mm-hmm. when you're in the room, like this type of startup that you have, I yeah. mean, I'm thinking of being in the lab for the first time and you get the results back that you've wipe the floor with the competition you know yeah, that's that. right yeah <laughs> yeah you know being a it, it is i mean to be fair to attorneys if you get to know your client and you kind of uh not necessarily like your client necessarily as a person but appreciate what they're trying to achieve you can get some pretty big thrills out of helping your client achieve a goal Right. right. So it's not really as cold and calculating and dispassionate as some people might think. think it, yeah. But it definitely is not the same. <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely a big leap to when to be in part of that team. And as you said, when you see a result, you just feel that sense of accomplishment. And, and I, I really like that. I, I get a big kick out of that. Yeah. So what led you to this specific field? Yeah, so uh, I was working um, at another company and actually the people who um, who came up with this technology, the first ideas for this technology, they were actually a client of the firm mm-hmm. when I practiced law way back when. Wow. <laughs> and uh, one day I got a call and said, remember those guys that we used to do their patent work well they've come up with this new idea and they're looking for someone to help them try and start a company and uh, I was kind of you know I had just about then I was looking for something new to do so I went up I met the met the engineers and uh, they were at the University of Washington at the time and they had just kind of gotten the first results and it was looking really promising so um, uh, and then I was thinking of joining the team, and then uh, the other big piece of the picture came in, which is the uh, there's some people here in D.C. that were thinking of making an investment and starting a company, so buying all the technology from the University of Washington to start it. So I met them, and we got along real well, and so they started this company and brought me in to run it. So that process, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're... You, you hear about an idea, yeah. you see that it has good traction. What's the the anchor piece that says it's time to, to jump on? Is it? Yeah. So for me, I, uh, so, so there really isn't any one thing. I mean, because um, it's never exactly the right time. Right? You're always on that fine line between being too early and then missing the opportunity. Right, so you're never quite sure. So for me, a lot of it has to do with whether the opportunity is right. Is it there to be done? 
do you have the pieces in place? And it may not exactly be the right moment, it may be a little bit off, but you know, when it is the right moment, you may not have all the pieces there. Right. So if you've got the technology is available and you've got some investors who are interested, and in this case, the, I, I, you know, I like the people, right? The people that we all got along, we, had, we immediately had a rapport. So for me, that was really what it was about, you know, just being, feeling like the moment all the pieces come together and then you say, okay. Time to move. Yeah, time to move, yeah. So one of the things like when you start businesses, I mean, it can be a make or break decision because Mm -hmm. a lot of people have their nine to five, they have the security piece. Is it important that somebody is, let's say financially secure before Mm -hmm. they make a jump like this? Or is it something where you have to you have to know, you, you just have a feeling, is it? You know, that's a really difficult, uh, that's that's probably one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult component, I'd say, of deciding when and if you should jump into an entrepreneurial venture. Because it's not just for yourself, it's all the people that depend on you and, um, you know, the people that, you know, you have to inform about the risk, right? So yeah. a lot of times, you may sugarcoat the opportunity for yourself, but then if you sugarcoat it for the other people involved in your decision and your family, that could come back to bite you. Oh, yeah. So um, it's, you know, everyone's got their own risk tolerance. Everyone's got their own, uh, you know, their own criteria for when they want to take a risk or not. I just think it's important that everyone who is affected by it be aware of involved what's going in on. that decision. And I've I've been I've never I've not I have not always been on point on that. I've I've had some instances learning curve with that <laughs> where I underinformed people, reading their wife. Who, you know, there have been times when. Uh, I've made decisions and not fully informed her and then uh, luckily the most significant ones turned out okay but in retrospect when we went back you know she definitely said like wow that would have been pretty scary to know that you know how much risk you were taking Mm -hmm. at Uh, that moment and so you know over time we kind of had to work that out and so now I you know it's full transparency but that's a big thing because you can ruin relationships inadvertently by not being fully transparent with just how risky this exactly. life decision is, is exactly. going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know my, my, even myself starting my business, mm-hmm. leaving from something that has a salary attached to it to now you eat what you kill, it can be mm. shocking to the wife <laughs> to yeah. say, hmm, this month wasn't just, <laughs> it wasn't as good as maybe the, the previous, right. you know, ones. and. I know another thing that's sometimes hard to to adjust, knowing that there's ebbs and flows in business. And the person who is the lead, he has to take the brunt of the ebb and the flow because you want to keep your staff happy, 
which is maintaining their salaries at you know the best you can. I mean, obviously things yeah. happen, but have you ever in this journey had to to deal with the the, the oh, ebbs? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. My first uh, my first startup, I actually went into business with my father, mm. and uh, he was a professor who had an invention, and we uh, we started a company together. <clears throat> And we definitely jumped too early. So we had a couple of years in the beginning when I, you know, I had left the job as a lawyer, you know, a well-paid lawyer in <laughs> right. firm. And uh, we, we just kind of, we had, a, we had two or three really lean years. And there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, ebbs as you, as you put it, uh, but you know, uh, the, the the upside of that was that my father and I trusted each other. You know, we had a good relationship, we had a good sound relationship, so we kind of took the pain together, uh, and we had good partners, right? So we had a, a a really strong team, so we kind of all took risks together, and uh, and we got through it. That's what's up. So in that particular startup, mm -hmm. would you say it was a success at the end? Or? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We yeah we grew that company and we sold it to oh, a, perfect. A, big, a big company. Yeah. One of the things that I learned too uh, from being in business, sometimes success can can hurt just mm -hmm. as much as the lows. Were there things? Because for myself, I mean, I, I I literally when I first started my company. I had this crazy goal, I want X amount, you know? When I get there, I'll be fine. Then mm -hmm. it's just this thing that kicks in and you just push and push and push and the success is coming and you you look back and you realize, oh, mm -hmm. I forgot about my wife, forgot yeah. about my kid. I mean, it just, sometimes yeah. it can just take over you to the point where you're not as present and you say you did it for them but then, <laughs> yeah, they say, I don't remember asking you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. How has success been? Has that been? Yeah. You know, it. I mean, there were definitely some ups and downs in in that regard as well. I mean, and you always, uh, you know, we sold a company, so you know, you 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 can have. Uh, you know, rose-colored glasses looking back, maybe if we hadn't sold it, we could have done this with it. So there's that component. Mm. Uh, but there's also just, um, uh, I mean, that 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 first company that I was involved with, it was, it was uh, particularly uh, difficult because I had young children. Mm. So that was tough. But I, you know, I, I think I managed through that and, you know, was able to maintain the good relationships yeah. and yeah, nothing my got kids, lost. My kids, we still talk, you know, <laughs> neither one's in prison, so that's good. Perfect, perfect. Um, another thing about business that sometimes gets washed over, mm -hmm. the human resources part. How yeah. has dealing with, you know, there's so many personalities when you yeah. start a staff. You need to know who to hire, who yeah. to let go, who's dead weight yeah. who's overperforming you know like how's that been yeah so i i've you know our i've always felt really strongly that this is the whole thing mm. that we were always very very picky about who we hired and we 
would rather go without people than pick the wrong people. Stay lean. Yeah. And uh, and so we'd I'd always been and in this company we're really really fortunate. We have a really tight team. Um, our investors are just great. You know they're really uh, you know people with a lot of integrity, and we've been able to hire uh, really high quality people. So mm -hmm. we're we're still relatively small, and uh, and. and so the way we manage it now here is we have a kind of a core staff and then a lot of the engineering uh, work is uh, we use contractors that we can add and then let go when you know the project ends so you can kind of um, we're, we're set up a little bit that way so that takes a little bit of stress off we're not you know because people that are coming and going it's a it's a little less critical Right. that they be part of the team but we've had we've had really good luck we we've got a great team and we, we've uh what do you look at most like let's say you got yeah. a couple resumes on the desk you have a position needs to be filled what's that thing how, how can you tell the difference yeah that's i mean that's hard because uh there's a lot of reasons why that's hard the first thing is if you're too uh if you try to be too subjective and touchy-feely, you can inadvertently be kind of, um, uh, you can end up people with people that are just more comfortable to you, mm -hmm. right? Which is, that's not what you're after. You're right. not after <laughs> people you're comfortable with. You're after people who are gonna do a good job and treat the other people in your company with respect. Right. So um, I think you just have to take the time to interview. Right, mm -hmm. to to qualify people and don't you know especially so when you're qualifying them be careful not to be ruling out people who maybe have a slightly non uh, non-conforming resume like you know they're not exactly what you're looking for on paper as long mm -hmm. as they're kind of in the in the right they have part, they have the intellect they have the skills yeah they have they the may intellect. not have the cookie cutter what you're yeah. looking for exactly. And then and then I think you're just looking for someone who has a certain level of integrity mm. and um, is gonna bring passion to their work, right? Who's gonna care about the results of their work. They're not just gonna mail it in. I mean to me that's a big part of it, right? Because you you really want someone who cares about the work. Who, yeah. uh, and they're always gonna bring more to the table, right? If they care about it, if they're if they get involved in it, and um, and then you know there's the intangible, intangible which is how you think they're going to treat other people. The team, yeah. How they're going to treat the team, right? Are they going to be someone who um, is going to alienate their coworkers, or are they someone who's going to you know, treat people with respect and, and in turn get more out of them, right? Because everyone feels feels positive when they yeah. work. So there's kind of those those things. And and you know, it's not always easy uh, to but you know, we you know, you can do that by having multiple people interview. So like here we have engineers mm -hmm. but our you know, our head of marketing would be great to sit yeah, in. Would, yeah, would also be part of the interview process. And if we're not sure, we'll do a second interview, you know, we'll 
feel it out. Yeah. So what I'm getting from it, and like as a business owner myself, I think that's the hardest part, um, knowing when you need to step out the business for it to grow, mm. because that intangible of right. sitting down, actually having the interview, because we absorb so much by being deep and entrenched that that energy of the person coming in, you can already kind of tell like, okay, he's very focused here or she she has this, I know she's going to bring a spark to this section that I need, you know, but how do you, is it the same thing when hiring a CEO in a sense, like, or someone who is going to replace you at the end? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, to be honest, I've never really faced that because I've always been involved in much smaller companies where you don't really, you don't have the luxury of hiring somebody. A president. Or yeah, a you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're the guy. <laughs> I mean, if you have another person to hire, you're going to hire another salesperson. You're going to hire right. an engineer. You know, we, you don't really, that, that, that normally, that kind of succession planning mm -hmm. comes when you're a little bit bigger. To corporate almost. Yeah, right and, and, and I, you know, I tend to be involved much more in smaller companies, smaller startups. The thing is, small is relative. Yeah. You know, it really Especially is. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can get so much done with tech yeah. and the the need for the huge mega corporation is, you know, is dwindling, yeah. honestly. I mean, I, yeah. we're seeing tons of job cuts. We're seeing the market not need as much. Um, I'm in the commercial space as well. I sell services to commercial buildings and COVID I'm swinging that question to you soon. Mm -hmm. It wiped out a huge portion right. of the demand for commercial because the commercial um, lease owners, the people who needed the commercial space, they saw technology step up in a way during that time where they could send a lot of people home and the actual productivity, sometimes it even increased because <laughs> right. people aren't sitting in traffic for that hour and you know they can get up, hit it hard, and, you know, get the work mm -hmm. done, and they're, they're off. How did COVID affect you? Well, I mean, we're, it, that's an interesting question, because we're, we're, we make air purifiers. Air purifiers. Right. So, <laughs> it, uh, but we, we've only just now released our first product. Okay. Right? So, um, on the one hand, the supply chain issues that COVID oh, yeah. brought about yeah. definitely delayed our product introduction. Mm -hmm. So, that was a negative. I mean, clearly, right. you know, that was a, a challenge for us. On the other hand, um, we don't get a qu any questions anymore about why should I, <laughs> wh wh why do I care about breathing clean air? Mm. And it's not just COVID. So I think what, what happened with us is that uh, COVID made people think about air purifiers and air quality. Definitely. Right? And then once they started thinking about it, there's a lot more to air quality than just COVID or pathogens. Right. There's particulates and PM 2.5. And so now that's really kicking in. We're seeing a whole new, uh, a whole new level of interest in the, the whole question of what am I breathing in? Exactly. And how do I make sure that the air inside or office is healthy right um, and part of that was that you know people 
would start by saying, oh, I have a filter on my HVAC <laughs> system. And before COVID, people might actually be tempted to think, well, that filter is keeping my air clean. Right. But then with COVID, people, realized, people were taught, well, that actually doesn't really work. Those, those filters are there to protect your machine. Mm-hmm. They're there to protect the coil on your, you know, on your HVAC <laughs> machine. Right. You know, it's you know, you're lucky if it's taking out thirty percent or forty percent of the material, the, the particulates floating around. So actually, COVID in a way just completely changed the environment for our product. Yeah, the consumer is now so much more um, well read. They understand yes. how viruses work in a much more rich way. That's right. Um, I grew up in science, so mm. it, I was always keenly aware of what and how viruses moved and how they worked. Yeah. And working in the cleaning industry as mm. well, oh, tr- right, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm very on top of right. how is this environment impacted daily because you need wipe downs, you need, you know, right. there's touch surfaces, touch area, but something we can't do is take care of the air. That's, that's right. something where machines have to take over and right. our intellect as humans have evolved in a way where there's these new technologies so when I come into a space I'm not as a as a because how I look at myself any CEO any person we're not just looking at our industry we're looking at the adjacent industries how's mm-hmm. everything helping this one situation move forward because if I work in doctor's offices mm. Let's say I come into doctors, I'm keeping everything clean as much as a person can. But if they're like, hmm, you know, people are still kind of getting sick. I'm still seeing sneezing. I still see a lot of dust circulating. Boom, I, I pass them off to Larry. Right. Hey, we have some great technology here. Let him sit down and have a meeting with you. What, what are you telling that person? Yeah, so, I mean, basically what we're telling people, our message is the the science around the danger to human health of particulate matter is just really becoming understood so separate and apart from disease just particulates so in in our environment here in dc it's going to be mostly uh you know from combustion from cars from trains from buses uh, from uh, you know power plants we now are beginning to understand how dangerous that those particulates are they enter your uh, lungs they go through your lungs into your bloodstream they cause all sorts of tremendous uh, uh, health problems and we didn't always fully understand that. And so we're starting to really understand uh, just how serious that problem is. Um, you know, so inside a home, you've got things like uh, your cook stove, right? Which, you know, recently there was a bunch of uh, information released about the danger of gas stove, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Tremendous problem. So, um, wildfire smoke so half the country now is dealing with wildfire smoke all the time Mm -hmm. um so really that's the real message right the real message is that 
our bodies aren't really designed to uh, to deal well with the really small particles that are released by combustion. And um, so you you you, you want to try to do what you can to limit your intake of that. And on the other hand, HVAC systems are not an efficient, really efficient way to do that, mm -hmm. right? Because if you put filters on your HVAC, uh, you know, high high intensity filters, mm -hmm. it uses a lot more energy. Right. Yeah. So you have to replace them all the time. It's very expensive. So there's a growing consensus even in the industry now that the right way to keep people safe is to have some filters on your HVAC, but then to supplement that with freestanding units, mm -hmm. especially in areas where people spend a lot of time or congregate. Right. So that would be a bedroom or an office, a living room. Uh, so in this office space, for example, here in this conference room, you know, you would put one maybe in the office. Maybe you wouldn't put one in the big common space there. Right. Maybe um, it's not a lot of concentrated people. And, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 So so that's kind of uh, so we're part of that wave, right? And and so our our role in that space is that we've developed a way to do it that uses less energy. So it's just more energy efficient and it requires less filter changes um, so you know we you know there's a lot of different ways you can do it and we've got a way that we think is it's, it's new right. and we we think it's a better way to do it I've seen some of the the demos yeah and yeah. the part that I love the most is charging the particles that's right yeah and please break that for me <laughs> yeah so so basically there's really uh, it really comes down to the fact that there's two different ways to get particles out of the air. Mm -hmm. So the first way is the way, it, I mean, it's the way people have been doing it since they sat around a fire in the Stone Age. <laughs> or you would, you know, if it was smoky, you could put a, put your of cover you, over yeah, you. cover <laughs> over your mouth and breeze through some fabric. So that's the traditional way to do it. It's a mechanical filter, right? You know, it's called a HEPA filter or a MER filter. And basically, you're pushing the air through a fabric, mm -hmm. and that fabric is trapping particles. Gotcha. So the, the positives of that are that it's very simple. Mm -hmm. The negatives of that is that it takes a lot of energy to push that air through the filter, and as the filter collects dust, it gets harder and harder. Yeah, so no breathability. That's right, so the yeah. filter starts to clog. So you have to change that filter all the time to keep the airflow up. So the other way is uh, called electrostatic filtration, where you you run the air past some wires that are emitting ions, mm -hmm. and the ions stick to the particles. Now the particles are charged, and you, the now you can pull the particles out of the air by running them between two charged plates. So it uses about half the energy of a of a mechanical filter. And it doesn't clock because you're not pushing it through a fabric. You're, the, the particles are getting pulled out of the air. Mm -hmm. And our big innovation is that uh, instead of pulling it onto a, traditionally with a filter like ours, you would have to clean the plates off all the time. Right. But with ours, you pull it into foam. Mm -hmm. And instead of cleaning it once a month, you just change that foam out once a year. 
Wow. So, and it's very inexpensive because the foam is made out of melamine. It's like magic eraser. <laughs> okay. So it's just like plastic and melamine foam, very inexpensive. Uh, and do it once a year. So it's a very simple, elegant solution, which we patented. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Patent, it came, all, yeah, came right. full circle here. <laughs> that's right. So nobody else can do it. We're the only ones that can, can that. We have worldwide patents. So we have patents Good. all over the world, yeah. So I've actually had uh, my, I've, I've patented a uh, mm. product before. Okay. And um, I'm bringing it to market soon. So I've dealt with a lot of the supply chain things. Oh, I, yeah. I, I have a contracted engineer. Um, you know, I, I've done the, the, the whole, you know, specs for the patent. And if, if you could give somebody a brief, because what I didn't know, I'll tell you straight up. Yeah. I, the first prototype I did, I patented it. And it wasn't completely flushed out the idea mm -hmm. so I wasted a ton of money right. on the front hand and then as I kept prototyping and prototyping we advanced so far past that first prototype that mm -hmm. the intellectual property had become I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't even keep us safe after a while because right. yeah you know so I had to repatent and then that's a whole nother fee and everything that's right. so that's right and then saving enough in the budget to actually bring it to market is a whole nother animal because if you don't have traditional investors it's a lot harder to um you know yeah. go that route you, you know there's the gofundmes and things like that that can yeah. you know accelerate that what, what what what's the proper way so you know that's a it's a really interesting question so um the most so i, I would say the most important thing is to get a really good patent attorney that actually takes the time to understand the business. Mm. Because the patent isn't any good on its own. It's right. only good within a business. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a patent attorney that actually takes the time to understand how you might be commercializing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and can tell you, okay, um, you're not ready yet. Mm. You know, I, the, so so it's not an attorney that's just after a fee, right? Gotcha. So they're gonna say, uh, well, you need to do more work. So keep this quiet. Don't tell anybody. You know, work continue a little. Continue to perfect it. Continue <laughs> to perfect it. Or, no, this this is good. This is all you're gonna get. I can see where you're going. You might make advances, but it, that's not going to help your patent any. So let's file mm. now. So I think you know uh, the art of patent law is is it's really an art form, mm -hmm. and you just need help. Right? You can't be expected. No, very there are very few inventors that really understand the art of patent law. Yeah. So you know, really, that's what you need, and it's difficult because. Patent lawyers are notoriously expensive. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to yeah, that. You yeah, know. but it's uh, but, but it's worth it though. If it if yeah. it saves you something down the line, oh, yeah. um, you know you like the way I, I I've had it put to me is that you get a patent to be able to fight later. You know, um, it's not necessarily yeah. going to stop people from stealing your idea, bringing it to market. 
but it does give you a chance to fight in court one day and yeah you know. I'd say that, yeah patents are are good for yeah I mean I think that's accurate um, the other thing is if you're gonna bring in investors mm, yeah um, patents help give them confidence uh, the other issue is it makes it easier to do business with companies that could potentially copy it oh. right so if you're gonna Sign up a distributor. So let's say you're going to sign up a distributor, mm -hmm. and that distributor is a company that makes its own product. Also, if you don't have a patent, what's to stop them from just distributing your product, getting to know it, and then bringing out its own version, ripping it off, ripping it off, yeah. I mean, which is or even normal. changing maybe one small thing and yeah. saying, "Hey, yeah. this is." But different. if you don't have a patent, they don't even need to change it. Exactly, they can just do it. Exactly, right? you can just copy it I mean, so there is a need guys <laughs> I, I'd say yeah I mean I I mean there's a I mean there there there's a reason why patent lawyers are expensive it's because what they the service they provide is valuable very valuable yeah yeah very and valuable. I'm a big believer in that. I mean I think yeah. I, I think um, I think it's an important part of any product that involves technology how about trademarks? Is that something that's yeah? We we have trademarks, and those are those are valuable too. Um, and that's more branding, you would yeah, say. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's aligned with your brand strategy. Okay. You know how you're going to use trademarks, and we use them. We uh, we think it's important because okay. if you if you have a a successful product and you don't you haven't managed your trademarks properly, it's easy for people to kind of align next to you yeah. and steal that. Google top search. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, become the generic version. Exactly. Like Uber and Lyft, they do the same thing, but because Uber yeah. was first to market, yeah. it's hard to kind of like, oh, I'm calling an Uber. Even if you're calling a Lyft, some people still say, that's right. I'm getting right. an Uber, you know. Right. How, how important is being first to market? Um, I think it's a lot less important than people think. Hmm. Um, uh, now there's a difference with there's certain types of businesses where it's it's very important. So like a social media type of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Know, Those are putting those aside. But if you're making a product, um, it's not always great to be first, right? Because other people can just watch what you do, learn <laughs> from your mistakes, yeah. and then come in with a better product and and kind of trump you, yeah. so to speak. Words have been kind no. of not sure that I didn't mean it. <laughs> no, that's fine. Surpass. Yeah. Right. I mean, but I, I really see that. I mean, in my yeah. own situation, yeah. um, my first couple of prototypes, I had that moment where when I looked at it, I could see instantly how somebody could come in and just yeah. tweak this, tweak this, boom, now they have a better product than me. It overnight, right. you know. And yeah. so I was just like, it's not the time. I, I shouldn't yeah. bring this out. I I know I put a lot of money in it, but I'd be a fool at this moment to know that there's glaring issues with That's right. the product, you yeah. know. Um, I, and I try to speak to that a lot where never rush, because if you rush, it's just in a rush, in a hurry, make a mess every time. That's what my father says. That's like right. he lives by that. Right. And in business, I've learned the people who rush, they make the mistakes. Right. So then the people who perfect their skill at a high level, they even if it takes them a while for you to mess up and that contract ends, 
at some point people are going to look for the person right. who's going to be consistent, who's going to yeah. do the job. They're going to they may buy the cheaper product today, but later on after they keep buying the cheaper product, at some point they're going to invest in yeah. who's the guy, who's the real person who blood, sweat and tears is in this product. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think that's a that that that's a a smart philosophy. And um yeah, so you know, we, we now in our case, this particular case, it's a whole new technology and we're the only ones that have it. So we are first cuz we're going to be the only, you know, we're only the only. Right. So really there's no uh but um you know, uh, so for us, you know, that wasn't really the issue. So is it a education thing then? Because that's yeah. like my product is almost kind of similar to yours. It's completely a new mm -hmm. technology. So what I've run into is what you may be running into where people see the benefit, but they want to kind of, it's like almost the public isn't educated enough to the idea to where they don't know yeah this makes much more sense than what how we've been doing it and until enough people adopt it the early adopters and they get to telling people to, to singing the praises of it it's a tough road in the beginning yeah so that that's exactly where we are right now right so we've kind of gone through the manufacturing gone through all of that we've got our product in the warehouse we've kind of gotten our you know we've kind of gotten ready to go to market and that's what we're doing right now is we're we're learning how to communicate the benefits of the product to the customer mm -hmm. how to help a customer understand why they're better off buying our product instead of uh, another one and that's that's what we're doing I mean we're, we're working on that we're you know, creating videos, we're testing out different ideas, we're gonna be doing a bunch of social media things where we'll, um, you know, we're trying to find the right kinds of influencers, people who have a trusted audience, right? Mm -hmm, definitely. Who might be able to say, you know, someone who's kinda helped their audience make decisions like this in the past, yeah. right? So there's a big role for that. Um, and you know trying to find the right person who's trying to make this decision at this moment and is willing to listen definitely uh, and and that's you know covid's helped with that where i would say uh five years ago next they, to impossible yeah someone <laughs> wanted a room air purifier they're just gonna go down to Home Depot and buy whatever piece of junk is on the shelf. Exactly. Stick it in the corner of the room, turn it on, and that's that. <laughs> well, now people are taking the time to learn, to understand what makes one better than the other. And uh, I think they, they understand that the decision is more important than just, you know. Getting whatever's the cheapest thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that's, that's our challenge. I mean, gotcha. we're working on that right now. Um, and I guess that brings me to the biggest thing is there any room for innovation like because yeah. honestly the first thing I saw when I saw the technology was I love that there's freestanding mm -hmm. but of course I'm in a different 
you know, business. So I see a, a, another situation. Yeah. So I see vacuums with this new technology in it. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I see there's so many things that could benefit from not having to change that filter as much or having right. the, the particles charged and, you know, pet dander and all of these different things that are hard to yeah. get out the air and make cleaning easier, make, you know, there's so many industries that can actually be affected by this. Like, can you give us anything on that? Yeah, so, yeah, so, so you know, we're, we're, you know, there's the, there's the, you know, stand, walk, run, you know, you gotta do one thing before oh, yeah, you do yeah. another. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've, um, earlier on in the company's history, when we were kind of in our R&D phase, mm -hmm. we built lots of different prototypes. Mm. Of, uh, we built prototypes and tested them in real world buildings of full HVAC systems. We built prototypes for air exchangers, which just bring fresh air in, uh, for uh, air conditioner type units, for personal units, uh, for an auto unit, actually we designed one for that could fit inside, you know, help keep, keep the air inside of an mm. automobile clean. Oh yeah, that's great. So, um, <laughs> yeah, th this has a lot of potential. We, we're very interested in licensing the technology. Uh, we've got a design on a product for um, a home, a whole home unit, mm. one that kind of works with your home HVAC system. Gotcha. So we, we're, we're looking for a partner for that because we don't want to distribute that ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, our investors are in the commercial HVAC business, okay. so there's a big market there. But that you know, we're going to tackle that kind of in stage two. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so, so the big so the big thing that we're working on now is actually just continuing to make the product line that we have better. Mm. Um, and that's the nature of manufacturing. You know, you got your first model, and you know we're busy at work. Uh, designing a second unit which is a little bit bigger than this unit okay but uh, it's you know got a bunch of advantages mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so I think um, you know our strategy is to kind of keep the technology moving but then focus on our commercial product line and then try to identify some partners that might be able to use the technology in other markets and then slowly grow. Wow. And um, the last final things. Yeah, yeah. Three things you had to tell somebody. Um, the first thing I would like to ask, if somebody's starting brand new, mm -hmm. they want to start in a career they love products, they want to do something. Mm. What's the advice that you give to somebody that's maybe not enough money yet or, but they have a dream? Yeah, so I, I, would, I would say try to get a job in a place where you think people are doing things the right way. Mm. Uh, that's a difficult thing to learn how to how to make intelligent decisions how to run a meeting how to communicate with customers how to do things in a way that 
maximize your potential for success. And uh, so, you know, for me, that was, uh, you know, when I was my first job out of law school, I went to work for a really kind of really well-run law school. I worked in a, in a group that was run by some really, you know, really top-notch people. And I got to see how people- Excellence look. Yeah, what does excellence look like? That's okay. a really good way to put it. Okay. And I think you, you have to do that. If you don't know what excellence looks like, it can get away from you. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think people are born with an innate understanding of what it takes to achieve excellence. No, no. Right, so Definitely. you have to see it. Have to see and it. so that's what I would say. Now, for the second person, mm -hmm. first person, this guy, he, he's nowhere. But the second person, mm -hmm. he's in a rock and a hard place. He has a family, mm -hmm. lots are going on. He knows that he's dying at the career he's at, let's say, but there's this itch, this burn. What are you telling that person? Oh, yeah, that's the hardest one. <laughs> and I honestly, I don't tell that person anything because okay. there's no way to win, right? The, 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 that is such a difficult decision. Um, I, I think there's so many examples of people who've done this, chosen A or chosen B, where it's gone well or it's gone disastrously. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you for myself, uh, I try to ask myself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm, okay. And can I live with that? And if I can't live with that, I don't do it. Okay. You know. That's good. <laughs> That's great advice. Yeah. Honestly. So can you live with making this decision? Yeah. 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 And it and that's not being a pessimist. Right. Right. <laughs> that's not saying I know the worst thing is going to happen. <laughs> but saying if the worst thing, if this thing is just if the whole thing just blows up apart, in your face. Yeah. Right. Can you live with what that? situation will I be in realistically? And and you know, and then can you live with that? And oftentimes the answer to that is no, I can't. Right. right? I mean, there's too many people who will get hurt. Um, yeah. So I, I don't want to stay on that too long, yeah. but I think because I get this a lot, and it's this idea of can your window be missed? Absolutely. It can. Absolutely. So take the chance when it's not as do yeah. or die. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you can, you know, there's no guarantees. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see, you know, an opportunity can open up. If you don't take the chance, something bad can might happen and you say, you know, I can't live with that. And then that chance disappears. And then in retrospect, you can say, oh, wow, that would have been something that could have changed. I mean, everybody yeah. knows people that that's happened to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but that's the nature, you know, that's the nature of that situation. You can't be assured of anything. Mm -hmm. And so the third person, mm -hmm. this is the person who is smart, mm -hmm. intelligent, but 
they're in the right place. There's nothing really stopping this person from doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But there's a fear of, am I going to be judged for trying something new that's daring? Any advice to that person? Yeah, okay, that's the easiest one. <laughs> right? That, right, that person just needs to, you know, drink some good tea and forget about that. Right. What other people think, it, you, that's just the, that is the worst reason I can ever imagine for making a decision. Because those, anybody who's going to think about you like that, they're going to think what they want anyways. Right. Right. I mean, there is no, yeah. And I don't, I, I was lucky in life. I, I had parents that were kind of um, a little counterculture and they never cared what anyone thought of them. My mom was an artist. My father was a professor, but he was kind of an individual. He still is an individual. He's still around. Uh, and so I, ne- I never, I, I, I just didn't worry about that. And, gotcha. and uh, I think uh, that's an easy one to learn not to worry about, as long as you're honest with yourself mm-hmm. and you know that that's what's happening. You can control. You can learn to get past that. Get past that. Thing. Yeah, Push that back. one. Yeah, that one you can easy one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People's opinions don't matter at all. No. Yeah, and that's not any good reason to pass up a great opportunity. Wow. Yeah. So this has been a beautiful conversation. Yeah. I thank you for taking the time out to explaining to my audience um, a deep dive in an illustrious career. Um, we wish you the best with everything going on in the future. This is Business Casual. I'm your host, Miles Brown, and today we had Larry Rothersberg with us from Agentis Air. And go check him out. The link will be in the description. Until next time, peace. Hey, Business Casual listeners. I've been using the Brio air purifier for a little under a month, and I'm highly impressed with the performance. It has drastically improved my indoor air quality and its patent advanced particle removal technology is second to none. It's also incredibly convenient to use and maintain, making it an ideal choice for anyone looking to improve their home air quality. I've noticed a few cool things so far. You can feel the air becoming clean. It dries out the air a bit. So using this with a humidifier would be ideal for those who like to retain some moisture in the air. My ceiling fans, where I use Brio most often, has less dust buildup. Some need to know starter info. When I first plugged the Brio in and let it run, it had a strong plastic smell due to high heat injection molding residue. Wiping the Brio down with soap, water, and a microfiber cloth, then allowing it time to fully dry helped significantly. Um, A surprise use case I did not expect was when my wife was cooking and the salmon got away from her and the smoke in the house started to fill the kitchen. I quickly grabbed a towel and began to fan the smoke from the smoke detector, not to wake up my sleeping six month baby. I realized this would be an excellent job for Brio. I grabbed it from the living room and plugged it into the kitchen, making the job of not setting the smoke detector off a breeze. In just two weeks, it helped my air quality and dust accumulation and helped stop my baby from waking up. Do you even have to ask? Yes, I recommend the Brio. As a special offer for my listeners, 
Use code MILES, M-Y-L-E-S, 15, to get 15% off the Brio. And let me know what you think about this incredible machine in the comments. Peace. Hey, bye.